And uh, yeah, we've been we've tr- we've been trying to figure out how many shows we've done, and we're somewhere somewhere shortly post two years. And if there's we do one every week, so there's at least 104 shows in two years. And then if we've done it a couple of more weeks, we're probably in the 110 vicinity now. So I think we could just say over 100 shows. Over 100. How about that? That sounds great. You know, math has never been my big yeah. strong suit. And once, when we reach 120, then we can maybe go, we can start counting again. Okay. Anyway, okay, so there's that. Um, thanks to Chris, our engineer, uh, tonight, oh, yeah. who's uh, handling the engineering uh, uh, duties. And uh, he's been doing that for quite a while. If you are interested in... Um, calling us, you call 323-792-2977, and uh, you can give us your questions or comments or, uh, God forbid, even your opinions. Um, <laughs> and uh, you could also tweet us live at Rick Atwater if you would like to do that. So also remember to check us out at recoveryinternetradio.com. That's recoveryinternetradio.com for all our archive shows and recovery resources. And I think that that's everything I needed to say to get this show on the road. So um, just a couple quick intro things before I say uh, hello to our, well, our guests are Kurt and Dan. Hi, guys. Um, and uh, uh, we're, we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about drug court and your experiences and... Uh, it's been a nice. It's been a nice thing for me because I've gotten a chance to watch kind of from the beginning. I was always a big drug court advocate before there was a drug court, and um, I'm glad that uh, glad that we finally got one put together. And even you know, I really feel good about what's been happening. And so it's kind of full circle for me to have you here because, um, well, your graduates and your successes. So. Um, my, my, I guess the way I'd like to start would be just to ask you um, to give each of you to sort of give the sort of the short form of how, you know, what needed, what, what are the things that needed to happen for you to get to drug court in the first place? Uh, either of you can start. I don't care. But how, what, what's 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 the story? What's your story? In a in a short. Well, Rick, personally for me, um, it was basically. You know, I made some poor decisions out the door in my early youth, probably say teenager. Yeah. You know, picked up drugs to replace, as I put it, a spiritual void yeah. in myself. It replaced that void. And then it started out with marijuana, stuff like that, and it slowly progressed into, I thought I had a business problem because I'd get arrested and it was this kid's fault for telling on me. Mm. You know, it was never my fault. Mm-hmm. So... And then the drugs got worse and the harder drugs came more often. So slowly it was, I was shooting, or took me about five years after trying heroin to shoot it. But then after that, about a year after shooting it, I realized I had a drug problem. And I tried to go into rehab my first time um, with the help of parole after being in institutions over and over and over again. And, uh, I went to rehab. I got out. I was clean for probably four months. Was that the first time you'd been to rehab? Yeah, that was actually the third time. But the first actual time, I call it the first time because I knew that was I had a problem. The first time you wanted to go? Yeah, that was the first time I knew I had a problem. So you were using heroin but not <laughs> shooting it, and you still didn't think you had a problem? No, 
No, you I thought, you know, I... You were a recreational heroin yeah. user. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that makes sense to me. So, I, like I said, I had a business problem, you know. Yeah. I sold drugs. I wasn't a junkie. Right. So, you know. Right. But <laughs> uh, then parole cut off my ankle bracelet, and, you know, I was on my own. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know what? It's okay. I can use again, you know, so... Obviously, that starts a vicious cycle again, and then slowly... For people who don't know, and there may be some people who don't know what you mean when you say cut off your ankle bracelet, what, what is that? Well, uh, parole stuck me on house arrest because I caught extra charges while I was on parole from Illinois Department of Corrections. Yeah. And <clears throat> so they put an ankle bracelet, an ankle monitor, a house arrest bracelet on me. Okay. Basically only letting me out of the house for about three, four hours a day. This is a monitoring device. Yeah. It wasn't like a fashion thing. It wasn't like, no. it wasn't like a looking cute. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like a bracelet that no. people wore or anything. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So, okay. you know, so then I went from that to instantly every day after I was off of parole, every day, all day, I went to, uh, I was homeless for a couple weeks basically for before I got the most recent arrest that landed me in drug court. And I basically, I knew I didn't want to kill myself. I was too scared to do that, but I didn't want to live anymore, and I knew that, and I didn't want to live this way. So <clears throat> my actual last use was in Chicago, and <clears throat> I didn't did no longer believe in God, you know, so I didn't care, but I said, you know, I just got to stop, you know, and I prayed my last use, I just got to stop. And I ended up back in uh, Crystal Lake, and I got arrested for a warrant, and uh that started the drug court process. And, and uh, what was your, what were your arrests for? You, do you have to, do you have, uh, in order to qualify for drug court, you have to have, you can have felony or no? Yeah. It can yeah, but it has it, to be a nonviolent felony or? Yeah, you, it has to be uh, nonviolent offenders. Um, now I've seen people that have drug dealing in their background get it, but they usually almost always don't have delivery charges. They won't accept that. And no violence, no sex crimes, and they want more high-risk offenders, people that have gone through the system over and over again. Get them help before they will first-time offenders. Obviously, you know right. they'll kick them out on probation. Okay. You know if they choose not to go the route that I went, then they'll be good. But most of the time, they do. Okay. You know, drug addicts. So. All right, and and you didn't so you recognized that you had a problem. You'd been in treatment several other times, but that was because they wanted you to go, not because you knew you had a problem. Yeah. And you still in your head a business problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it took a while to get to you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> you know, each time, though, I, I say this to people, each time I went to jail, I learned a lesson, even if it was, you know, I won't do that anymore. I'll just, you know, the last one, or the... Second time I went to prison was the last time I went to prison, not county jail, but actual IDOC. I uh, said, I'm not dealing drugs anymore. You know, each time I'd cut something back, you know, and I realized, you know, that, yeah, that's going to get me in trouble. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. But I was still in the insanity. That was what it was. You know, and I. And when you say in, in insanity, what, how would you define that? Uh, basically, I was still thinking that my way works. Okay. When? Right. You're still thinking the same. The same. Same. Way, same which was my, which was kind of nutty. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Well, like drug addicts think, I guess. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what about you, Dan? What, what, got, you to, uh, what got you to drug court? Uh, well, I started using drugs and alcohol from a relatively young age, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was hard-pressed against drugs and alcohol. I never saw the point of putting a substance into your body. But, uh, you know, I compromised those values to, to keep a woman, a mm. girl that I, that I thought that I needed her to survive. Mm. And she was using? Or she wanted you to? Or? Uh, yes, she was smoking marijuana. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> she said, basically, you know, I won't do it anymore if you try it and you don't like it. Mm. And I thought that was a good deal. Yeah. So I tried it and... And you liked it. And yes. No, more than that, I loved it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it became an every weekend kind of thing. It became a game. Yeah. Where we would say, who's going to say it first? But we're going to go out and get high. Mm. You know, and then sometimes she would want to stop and I wouldn't. And, and I would want to stop and she wouldn't. And uh, we continued that way. Mm. You know, but... Uh, uh, and they had a lot of consequences right away. Like what? What kind? Uh, well, I uh, I was expelled from school for uh, lack of attendance. Mm. You know, and uh, I even came back and I begged them to take me back the next year, and they did. I still couldn't break the cycle mm. of the drugs, and I didn't show up again. And eventually, they said, "No, don't come back." Yeah. Did how did it how did it uh, how did it progress from did it progress from marijuana to other things? Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was selling marijuana at uh, I believe eighteen years old, and I had I had a partner, and you know, I guess most of it was based on greed, but he ended up getting uh, icon. Hmm. You know, and we we're going to sell that. I guess my uh, my thinking was that. How can I market something if I don't know what its effects are? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, so I took those pills. Mm-hmm. And uh, that only lasted about two weeks before uh, that supply ran out. It must have been a prescription somewhere, you okay. know, something like that. And when I started to look for these pills, somebody called it synthetic heroin. Mm-hmm. And heroin is what I went to get. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know what heroin was or the dangers of it mm-hmm. at the time. You had started on OxyContin, and somebody said it was synthetic heroin, so yes. you just uh, figured, well, I'll just get heroin then. What, right. Why bother with the synthetics? Let's right. go, go natural, right. organic. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was hooked immediately yeah. to the pills and then to heroin. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's so interesting because people, <coughs> that, that, the message that, that people uh, should really hopefully hear is that you really didn't know you really didn't have a handle on what heroin was or would do, or that wasn't something you knew that much about. You just kind of almost innocently used it. I think a lot of people would think that they're, you know, automatically people know what that is, you know, understand the dangers, but I don't think they do. Well, you didn't. As a matter of fact, uh, I took it for six months straight, and one day I got sick, and I didn't know why. Hmm. You know, I thought that I was just ill. Yeah, like and, flu or something. Right, but I went through my daily routine, eventually came up with some, some more money, and went and got more heroin, and my, my illness was gone once I took it. And that's when I realized 
that I was addicted to it. Oh, oh that's what that is. Right. Oh, yeah. But did that stop you? No, no. I thought that I, thought that I could stop. You know, I was, I was arrested for uh, residential burglary around six months into using. Yeah. And they let me go to uh, Cornell and Woodridge, yeah. which was a 90-day a program. And I truly thought that spending some time away from the rehab that I would, I would get sober. Yeah. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I, I thought that uh, we could take care of the problem. But didn't do it? No. No. How old were you when you went to Cornell? I was 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And have you had more than one treatment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been to a lot of treatment centers, uh, three in total, I believe. I mean, 90 days was the longest, but yeah. LSSI and Share. Okay. And those as well. All right. And then, so what actually ended up getting you in, into drug court? What was the straw, I right. guess? Well, well, like I said, uh, you know, when I was, I was arrested, and they gave me a, a probation, you know, but also sent me to treatment. And, you know, they, uh, when I went to share, you know, somewhere around that time, around 2007, they, they also gave me another probation, intensive drug probation. Yeah. And I, I stayed sober for a short time on that, but couldn't maintain it. You know, so, I mean, as far as... Uh, Getting a uh, drug court, you know, I think that, you know, I commit a lot of heinous crimes, hmm. you know, uh, through the decade of heroin addiction. But uh, uh, my uh, offenses were, were all related to, to drug use. Yeah. You know, so. For getting money, getting money for or right, right. whatever. Yeah, that, that was the motivation behind it, was to get more drugs. Sure. So, um, plus I think I exhausted all the other uh, probation options. So drug court is what was, what was left. What are the what are the other? Well, I know intensive intensive probation is one. I suppose did any did you guys wear the scram uh, scram bracelet that thing, or if that may just be for alcohol? No, I don't know. I think that's more DUI cases. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure if they have it in McHenry County. I know they had it in King County and DuPage. Yeah. And DUI offenders, I know we're we're supposed to wear those. Yeah. Could you uh, could you say what that is? Yeah, I don't I don't exactly know what SCRAM stands for, but it does it's a it has a mo- a monitor and I guess it doesn't it doesn't do drugs, but I, I think for alcohol it has a sensor that if you have alcohol in the and it senses the perspiration of the moisture on your skin. And so if there's a certain level of alcohol in it, it sets off an alarm and some guy in Denver, Colorado sitting behind a computer screen gets a, a red blinking, you know, skull and crossbones with but your name on it. That's more for, that's, that's for yeah, alcohol cases. Yeah, more for DUI, yeah. Okay, okay. all right. And they so don't have a bracelet for heroin. No. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, so, but you, so you, a bunch of, a bunch of, did you do any time? Did you do any jail time? Uh, county jail county, time. I've county been to prison, okay. fortunately. All right, more than one? More than one county jail? Stop in the county oh, jail? yeah. yeah. Okay. In different county jails. Different county jails. Yeah. Okay. Which ones? King County and uh, McHenry County. McHenry? Yeah, of course, right. I never went to Cook. Yeah. I heard it's not a nice place. That's, that would be, that's what I've heard. I've never made a stop there either myself, so I don't know, but but prefer that to remain that way. So anyway, so, um, and what, what kind of, so the crimes were all related with their burglary and things like that? Presidential burglary, yeah. burglary, uh, that's the credit cards, unlawful yeah. use of them. That sort of thing. Okay. And then, so how did, was, by the time you got to the drug court option, and that's, that's right, I kind of forgot what I was asking, but are there any other options besides 
prison is your other option. Okay, Maybe. prison is your other option. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and so that's what they give yeah. you. Okay. Pretty big incentive to take drug court. Yeah, okay. So, so you took drug court. Yeah, so a roll of dice, actually. Yeah. I never thought that I would complete it, but I was going to stay out of prison. Yeah. So yeah. I would take the gamble. I would try, at least. Yeah. Even though trying in the past has gotten me nowhere. Is that the same for both of you guys? Yeah, that's weird because uh, that's the exact same thought that I was to, I'll uh, try having is I'm not going to make it. It's not that point, you know. I spent, I added it up and it was about four and a half years since I was 17 and I'm 26 now, 25 when I last got out of jail and I spent four and a half years in jails. So it's a big chunk. And I told myself, I was like, you know, I, and I told everybody that was in jail with me, they're like, I don't know why you're taking drugs. I was like, I don't know why I'm, I'm either. I'm going to screw it up. I already, you know, I had that in my mind. You know, same thing's going to happen. So. Do you think, I, you know, I mean, I, I know you can't speak for, for other people, but do you think that other, a lot of the other guys, how many guys graduated when you did? Did you guys graduate at the same time? Yeah. yeah what do we have? Eight, or it was supposed to be eight, and I think there was counting on his fingers. Oh, yeah, six, yeah, six. Blue, blues. Oh, blue. You, you can say blue. There's a bird. There's a bird in here. <laughs> yeah, there's a bird in here. It's <laughs> blue. <laughs> okay, six. So, okay. Blue bird. Um, <laughs> a blue bird, exactly. Did and then uh, were there guys that didn't make it? To graduation? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, there's plenty of people that are removed from the program. Yeah, like awesome. what do you what percentage you think? Say about eighty percent. Or removed? If not more. Yeah, about eighty. Yeah, I went to a lot of the hearings, but it's really hard to say how many. Some people just never show up again. You know. So you just don't, you really don't know. So you're in the you're you're uh, way in the minority. Absolutely, yeah. that's true. Yes. Yeah. All right. Same minimum. But it's interesting. The guy. So you're in the minority, but you started with the idea that. You know, the odds weren't in your favor. You were going to roll the dice. You didn't think you were going to make it, but you thought you'd give it a try. If I'm going to stay out of prison, I'll give it a go. Right. And here you are. To be honest with you, Rick. Six guys. Because I've been to prison before. A lot of people's mentality in jail is like, prison's the easy way out. I could go do three or six months in prison and be done. You know, parole's not that hard. You can test dirty for marijuana. They don't really care. You know, they're too full. So... My mentality was, it's the easy way out. I'm going to try this drug I'm going to screw it up, but right. I'm going to try it. You know, and that was my mentality. Because I would have only, I would have gotten out in three months and still been the same person when I got out, though. Right. You know. So. So you wouldn't. You, so prison wasn't a wasn't a horrible. You'd been to prison before. You knew what the drill was, so it yeah. wasn't a horrible thing. But you no. still, you still decided to take the take this option. Yeah. Yeah. So there was. A party that wanted to get well, or yeah, it was basically push for my family to take drug court. You know, I told them like I'm probably not going to make this. You know, I'm probably not going to do it. I'm probably not going to succeed. You know, in drug court, and my family pushed me to take it, and then I, I took it. So I was like, you know, I tried for it, hoping that I get shot down for drug court, and that's just it. You know, I kept telling you know my mother on the phone. I would be like, you know, I'm, they're not going to give it to me. I have a robbery in my background. That's violent. You know, and all this and that, and they ended up giving it to me. So, <laughs> yeah, I've heard the phrase "God does for us what we can't do yeah. for ourselves." Yeah, and here you are trying not to go to drug court, and you're yeah. a graduate. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah. That's really wild. Yeah. yeah, and you and you didn't think you were going to make it either. No, I didn't. Uh, but I think the most important thing for me was that I was going to give up on trying. 
to do it on my own. That's, I thought I wouldn't make it. Yeah. You I wasn't going to be able to do it. It was the bottom line. Yeah. It, but I was going to be free for a time. I see. Free from having to, having to try and fail? Or from being in the jail. I was going to be out in the real world. <laughs> oh, for, free. The plan. Yeah. Well, oh, the lay- <laughs> okay. So it really was just putting off the inevitable. Yes. Are you are you are you guys su- surprised that that you did make it? Am I surprised? Yeah. Absolutely, I'm surprised. Yeah. But there was there were some things out there that I was unaware of. Twelve step program, namely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. well, that's good because that's I mean that's the that's part two, you know, that I want to talk about, you know, and when we get to that, and we will, um, like what you found that sustains you. And you said you're, you're surprised. You, you, you're surprised too? Yeah. Looking back today, yeah, I'm surprised. And it's almost like one day I woke up, you know, the moment of clarity here sometimes. And mm-hmm. one day I woke up and realized that it doesn't work. Like, I'm never going to be a sustainable drug addict, responsible. I can never use. I I don't know. It's weird. You know, just one day, just all clicked. You know, and ever since then, I've been learning. It's been a process. But, you know. There'd be a lot of people that would want to know why, you know, what's the, you know, like, how do you, well, let me, let me put it this way. How many, I can't count the number of parents I've talked to who are absolutely desperate because their kids are heroin addicts and they're afraid, they're scared to death they're going to die. And they want to know what it is that will make that click happen. And I can't tell them because I don't know. Yeah. It's personal it's, experience. Yeah, that's personal. It's person by person. Each yeah. person is different. You know, for me. I wish I could tell them. I do. Yeah. I wish I could tell them. Why? Yeah, but it happened. But it happened to you, mm-hmm. and it happened to you. Yeah, and it happened to you. Obviously, against the odds. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a real mind blower. Not only against the odds, but against what you even thought was possible, which is even you know that's yeah. that's pretty incredible. And maybe even wanted. <laughs> despite despite, yeah. despite yeah. all of that, yeah. here we sit. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing, really. When you yeah. think about that, that is pretty amazing. It is. Yeah. So, well, what would you tell those parents that asked that question? I, I'm sorry, I kind of cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but what would you do? What would you tell those parents if they asked you that question? Where, how, how do you get that click? Well, I would say for them to separate themselves from that situation. I think that the more unmanageable life gets, the closer you are to the realization. That you can't live that way. Yeah. But that's hard for parents to do. Yeah, it is. Sure it is. Especially, especially with a heroin addict because the, the life and death nature of, of you know, heroin. That, that they have to let their kid, they have to le- literally let their kid say, okay, if you're going to die, you're going to die. You know, which, you know. What's your, what would you tell parents? Yeah, basically... What did it for me, for my own personal experience, was not having the crutch of a parent, basically. Yeah. You know, her telling me enough is enough. 
and it was a big push for me, you know, and I got to do what I wanted and I realized what I was doing or what I wanted to do sucked, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be homeless and, you know, this sucks, you know, so it was either, sadly to say, death or something happens, you know, I couldn't stop on my own willpower, I knew that, so something had to stop me, death or jail, right, and then, you know, sitting in jail, sober up, and everything that happened in my life was for a reason at that point throughout my whole life, really. Everything and it wasn't was like it wasn't your first uh, rodeo, either of you. You know, you, you've been in prison, you've been in jail, so it wasn't like... It's like cause I think the, the mentality is, oh, okay, well, it has to get bad, all right. Well, oh, he went to jail, so now he's learned his lesson. So, you know, no. okay, thumbs up, he won't use heroin anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that's not it either. No. That's not it either. So, okay, well, that, I mean, you know, that's one of the things that, that, you know, I don't even know if it was in my list of questions, but it just came to my mind that because I get that question, you know, and, and I, you guys you guys could answer it better. What I would do, I'll tell you what I would do the next time I get asked, I'll give them your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell them how it worked for you yeah. because that's the only way. So let's, let's, uh, let's cut it there. Let's take a four-minute uh, break. We're going to hear, what are we going to hear? We're going to hear the incredible Hank Williams Jr. singing an old favorite, Family Traditions. Family Traditions. So thanks for being with us here on Recovery Internet Radio. Find us at recoveryinternetradio.com. We hope you enjoy the music. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Disowned a few others than me I guess it's because I kind of changed my direction Lord, I guess I went and broke their family tradition They get on me and want to know, Hank, why do you drink? Hank, why do you roll smoke? Oh, 
Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the tunes. You're listening to Recovery Internet Radio, broadcast from Straight Stuff Studios. Thanks for being with us here tonight. If you've been with us here from the beginning, thanks for coming back. And if you're just joining us, like Mr. Atwater said at the top of the show, you can reach us at 323-792-2977 with your thoughts, opinions, comments, or questions. You can tweet us live at Ray Atwater, and you can reach us on Facebook at Recovery Internet Radio. Dot com. Dot com. And now, back to the show. So, um, yeah, so back we are. And one of the, one of the questions I had that I, that I kind of forgot to ask in the first half was, are, um, I understand that a majority of the, the people in drug court are heroin, uh, heroin-related people or have heroin problems or heroin-related stuff. Is that, is that your, your take on it? Yeah, majority. Majority. I would say almost all of them. Almost all of them, yeah. Yeah. Why? Why would you say? Why is that? Do you think? Just because of the, the crime involved with the with the heroin stuff, or? Uh, well, it seems to me that uh, heroin is more readily available today, and it's more commonplace, especially among young people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say also that heroin inevitably leads to crime. Yeah. So it's connected. More yeah. so than with other right. drugs. The more desperate your addiction comes, the more desperate the crime becomes. Yeah. And uh, we get arrested. <laughs> There's no way to stop it. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you don't find, you know, it's not filled with crackheads or, or, uh, or you know, people taking LSD. It's, it's you know, 85, 90%, uh, you know, dope. I see that the progression on heroin addict is way faster, too. Yeah, it's way more, you know, cocaine is a little more subtle, and they might hit their bottom in their 30s, where you're most likely dead in your 20s or early 30s in a heroin addiction. So, or you yeah, plus you don't get that sick from from yeah. crack or yeah, or, you don't withdraw you don't get, as bad. You don't have the, the, you know, the same sick problem. So, yeah, yeah I just I, I kind of wondered about that. Um, so you guys, so another one of my questions here is. You guys were uh, so part, part of a fairly structured program. I assume that means you know drug testing and all the whole deal. Yeah. You get tested. You're yeah. You have to twice a week uh, at a minimum. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And when the, so when you graduate, does that mean you have no longer any obligation to the court system at all, or do you still have some? That depends. Um, I know in my case, uh, I was on probation in another county, but sometimes they'll have you, depending on, you know, your condition when you graduate drug court, they'll have another year of probation. Standard probation might be intense. I don't know. My, my case, it's standard. Yeah. But I had another crime in another county, so I'm still on probation. That's why that is. But some drug court clients have uh, probation afterwards, and some they just finish and okay. complete them early on the normal probation afterwards. Okay, and are you, are you finished, or do you still have probation? Oh, I still have uh, six months of probation from King County that's being supervised in McHenry. I got you. But I'm not sure that uh, I ever felt obligated to drug court. Uh, I don't feel any different about it today. I'm still uh, very much involved with the drug court, the participants, and the staff alike. Okay. All right. Well, and, and you're, you're here talking about it, too. So... You know, I mean, um, I guess a question that isn't necessarily 
m meant to, you know, it's not just you, it's not just you, but some people might say if you're in drug court and then you're done with your time, that that would be a dangerous time because like, oh, I'm free, I can do what I want again, you know, that kind of mentality. Is that something that you guys talk about or prepare for, or isn't that even something that's on the table? Well, for me, when I was graduating, I had an ego problem where I was like, I got this, you know? Mm -hmm. And usually when I got this, <laughs> I, I screw stuff up. Right. So Bad sign. So, you know, I right before drug court, and I realized that I had that attitude of, you know, I got this. Mm -hmm. And so then I told everybody about it in uh, my 12-step program and stuff, held myself accountable. And, uh, you know, I was nervous probably uh, a couple weeks before. And then it, I realized I, I was well-grounded in a lot of other areas as far as uh, volunteer work and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that I just, I just knew that, you know, Everything was going to work out. So you've got a lot of other activities going that that are like related to recovery and yeah, I ditched my whole other your life. Your whole other life is already gone. Yeah, that's okay. totally gone. I'm not even associated with one person I used to know. So uh, what about you, Dan? I, I think that that's actually the difference between some of us who graduate and when you say uh, people who want to go back and oh, I can go do whatever I want. Those people somehow, some way, made it through that program. BS their way through. Right. Because you know, that attitude would get turned up somehow in in the process, usually. Right. Yeah. And that's usually a losing attitude. Right. But I, there's some of us, yes, that have uh, made profound changes to our lives. Right. And it's the natural process for us to continue to do these things. That's what change is. Right. So it's natural for you now not to do what you used to do. Right. As opposed, so it's not, not like way. a... It's not like, oh, my God, I'm, the rope is loose now. I can... <laughs> no. No. Okay. No, you know, uh, I worked the 12 steps, you know, and uh, even three to four months into drug court, not to be cocky, but I felt that I had already transcended that process, hmm. you know, and... Uh, the drug court process or... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that I already I already knew through the process of steps that life was going to be different and that it never had to be the way that it was again. Yeah. So you got you got committed to a different a different way of life through the twelve steps pretty soon after you got involved in the drug court. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the best way. It's the only way. Yeah, and it's working for you. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about how some of some of the well, how, how does that work? I mean, how, how do you how do you get involved? I mean, does the drug court recommend that you get involved with with the twelve steps, or is that pretty much understood that you will? Or how does that work? They required. Uh, they do require us to go to. Uh, uh, you got to go to meetings. recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. meetings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you were either of you guys in in treatment as well as? 12-step meetings while you were in drug court, like in IOP or anything like that, or you weren't in any kind of treatment? At a minimum, when you enter the drug court program, you have to at least go to outpatient or intensive outpatient. During the time you're there? Yeah, or when before, you leave just to get in. jail 
or whatever, or what, right when you get into drug court, they start you off in a okay. treatment plan. I got you. And all that. I got you. All right. What I like about it is they give you a, a treatment plan that's uh, tailored to your needs. Okay. All right. But uh, at a minimum, we all uh, are required to IOP. Okay. So we're in for the duration or just to complete it? Just to complete Just to complete IOP. Yeah, which is, what, six, eight weeks? Uh, it's a, at the counselor's discretion. Yeah, okay. All right. Are, you, are either of you still involved in any treatment now? Are you done? Recovery, A, recovery. Yeah, but, I mean, any kind of professional no, treatment, are you done with that part? Yeah. Okay. I stay involved <laughs> with uh, the people uh, at Rosecrans is where they, they place me. Yeah. And I, I chair a meeting there on okay. Fridays at 1 p.m. Okay. HA meeting. You do HA? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to plug that meeting. Yeah, in. if you want to know okay. where it's at. Plug that meeting. What the address? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Heroin Anonymous, 1 o'clock, Rosecrans. Which right. one? Crystal Lake or Crystal McKen- Lake? Crystal We're Lake. We're not promoting this, though. So. Not promoting. <laughs> Just mentioning that it's there. The meeting needs some support. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what? We have, a, we, have a, we have a question from the audience, if, uh, if, if we don't mind. No, we don't mind. Are you guys up for that? Yeah. yeah. All right. Is that loud? All right. Yeah, I'm blue. Um, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I sponsor Kurt. Uh, I'm a big supporter of drug court in our county. I, I had a question for both guys. Both of you having gone through probation prior to drug court, be that intensive or otherwise, my question is how how is it different with uh, a drug court PO compared to a regular PO? Do you, do you feel there's any difference in handling or, Kurt, you might have some? Yeah, it's way different. They're there to probation officer, normal probation. Their job is basically to make sure you're not effing up. Okay, and it, from what I see, and then you go to jail and blah, blah, blah. But drug courts are there, probation officers are more there to help you succeed is what I see. And they want what's best for you, and it's treatment-based, more or less, their probation. So if you drop dirty, they want you to go to an inpatient rehab or something like that. They don't send you to jail and go to prison because you screwed up probation. You know, they give you more chances. You know, because they realize that drug addicts will relapse. So <laughs> they're there to help you is how I see it, more or less. Not only just book in, catch you doing stuff wrong. That's how I saw it. I, w- I would say that uh, a regular probation, that you meet with the probation officer once a month. You know, and that's, that's not enough for someone like me. You know, uh, coming into drug court, I met with a probation officer two or three times a week. We had a lot of contact. You know, so you could you could really help me uh, stay accountable, and uh, and keep me willing. And that's different. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. That's a good question. So, all right. Um, did I think you mentioned something about uh, early on about that you you did learn some things in jail, even though you weren't ready to stop or. Did you get any help? You know, would you say you got any help in jail? You know, in prison, they had, like, a rehab section of one of the prisons I went to. Not all of them had them. But there was stuff like 
in the rehab section that if somebody's doing something wrong, you have to hold that person accountable for it. Basically, tell on them, snitch on them, or else, you know, you're out of the rehab part. Right. Which, basically, if you snitch, you're going to get beat up, or, you know, you don't want to be labeled as that. So, does it work? I don't think so, because of the environment you're in. Right. You're, you know, a sheep among wolves. Right. So, that's why I say that that wouldn't work, that aspect of it. Right. And... You know, there was certain stuff, but compared to the population that prison has, there was not enough programs. And, you know, in certain, especially minimum prisons, which drug offenders are in mainly, minimum security, um, there's the least amount of programs in that Hmm. as far as anything, you know. So on the aspect of prison, I can speak about, and uh, I'd say that there's not enough in there. Jail, and you were in jail. Any, 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 any help in jail when you were in jail? No, I didn't receive any help at all. Yeah. They had meetings there, but uh, that's not something that I would have gone to. I had to be, you know, drug court required me to go to them, and that's how I ended up there. Okay. But yet, you didn't have, since you didn't have to go to the meetings when you were in jail. <coughs> right, right. Yeah. That wasn't something that was in your... No, I would never think to go there. Right. Just wouldn't just be... didn't occur to me. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just you know, I just kind of was thinking about that. Like there, there, you know, help just isn't in the in the system really, except you know when it gets specific like this, it's just not there. You know, so there's a lot of people that are, are apparently aren't getting help. Let's talk about let's talk about um, the twelve step programs because you're both involved with twelve step programs and mm-hmm. and um, done. I think from what you said finished with the professional end of treatment and help, that kind of help. So what's, what's that like, and how, how does that help you? How does the 12 steps help me? Yeah. Well, today I live in a world that's based on faith, hmm. and living in a world that's based on faith is like living in a world that's always optimistic. Hmm. You know, it's, it's not about uh, whether the glass is half empty or half full. The, the glass is filled precisely where it's supposed to be filled to. <laughs> right. So you're not always wishing it was either more, either there was less than it or more in it. It's right. just, the, it's just okay the way, right yes. where it is. Yes. Is Good that a new, is that a, is that a, like a, like a, a, a new thing for you to, to think that way? Absolutely. It's a new thing. <laughs> it's the most amazing uh, experience uh, of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how would you say, how would you, you know, summarize what, what the 12 Steps is doing for you? Everything you see today, hmm. you know. I saw, your, I saw your girlfriend and, and your, your uh, kid yeah. in the car yeah. when, when they dropped you off. That yeah. was kind yeah, of a and, nice thing. Yeah, they're not mad at me. And, <laughs> you know, they, uh, I mean, it's just everything is different in my life. And I yeah. can give that. To AA, God, you know, it's just changed my life. When the willingness came, you know, everything else came. And um, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, to be specific. And mm-hmm. it's uh, basically, if anybody's familiar with it, all the promises came and are still coming true in my life. And, you know, I can't say anything bad about the program once mm-hmm. I actually got grounded in it and wanted it. Yeah. It's yeah, and do, and do you go to other, do you go to other meetings too? Do you go to HA or or uh, uh, Narcotics Anonymous, or do you just go to AA? 
you know, people have to find what's fit for them. Yeah. And that was I, good for you? Yeah, AA is a fit for me. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked out HA, but I've checked out NA. Mm-hmm. And so I stuck with AA. Yeah. It's my yeah. choice. What about you, Dan? Do you, do um, you do? I'm out of AA, too. And yeah. HA, uh, we use AA's book because it works. <laughs> yeah. That's the, it's the same uh, same literature. Oh, yeah. Same steps. Same steps. It's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So let me let me just, uh, you know, I mean, what would you tell a guy who was trying to make a decision um, about whether or not he was going to, you know, opt for drug court or not? Or would, would, would he get a choice? Yeah. He could, he could take prison? He could take prison. He yeah. could take drug court if he wants to take drug court. You know, um, if you're taking it just to, you know, like he said, going away away plan. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I, as I see it, the people that are on there and don't want to be on there and don't want to do what they're doing, then either way, I think it's going to plant a seed, and hopefully later on it'll grow when, you know, after they come back from prison or wherever, you know, their addiction takes them. Hopefully later on, those couple AA meetings that they hit in drug court that they hated so much, they might go back to them. You know, so if you're thinking uh, and, and you want to quit, you know, I'd say try it, you know. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But hopefully later on you'll get it, you know. Because right. I know every rehab I went into, it, you know, everything didn't click. But, you know, it's everything started to click. And there was seeds that were planted even back when I was, you know, 17 and I went to rehab the first time. So, you know, I, like I said, as long as you feel like you want to quit, even if you're not totally done yet, just go for it. Mm-hmm. This, that's my opinion, though. And that's what you did. And that's what I did. Yeah. What, what about you, Dan? What would you, what would you tell the guy who was trying to make the decision? Uh, well, of course I would advise that they take drug court uh, because it was such a big part of my success in sobriety. Mm-hmm. I would I would only give them that advice provided that they were ready, truly ready, to stop using drugs and alcohol and uh, were ready to change. If they were uh, playing mess around, it's not a good place to do it. Yeah, drug court is not a place where you want to play mess around. Yeah, because what? Why? Why is that? Because you'll get you'll end up in the slammer anyway. You, right. You will get caught eventually. Yeah. What, even if, you know, you do, by the sliver of a chance, make it through drug court and you're BSing the whole time, you're going to get caught afterwards. Like, it's almost inevitable that you don't end up the same place that you were before. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're a drug addict, it's progressive disease, and uh, if you're not getting well, you're getting sicker. So, you know, I guess that, that you know, that pretty much, uh, pretty much answers that. Would you... Would you say, well, obviously you guys have had a good experience with drug court. What would you say to, specifically about 12 programs, what would you say to skeptics, to somebody who says, oh, that shit doesn't work, they get high, blah, blah, blah. It's a cult. <laughs> yeah, what do, you say? what do you say with people? I mean, people do say stuff like that. Yeah. They think that. So. I used to think it was a kind of cultish. Yeah. First couple times yeah, in the what rooms. Do you, what do you tell them? Well, I tell them it worked for me. You know, and really, a lot of the people I haven't come in contact with, like 
they say some are sicker than others, you know, stuff like that. A lot of people, really, they genuinely want to help you, you know, because I know when I do, you know, helping others, mm. I gain a lot of benefit from them. And I see now today why they did it for me, mm. you know, and give it a shot. What, why did they do it for you? Because it keeps them sober. And I'm not saying mm. unless if I'm working with somebody else, and that's the truth. Like, I could be aggravated, discontent. You know, all all types of stuff. All of a sudden, a sponsee will call me. I'll answer the phone. It's all gone. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I'm helping somebody else. Somebody else is going through a problem, and I'm helping them. And it gets me outside of myself. Like that time I didn't forward you the email, and you got that, you got your undies in a bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you you feel better. Yeah, and you can feel better. What do you what do you tell them? What would you tell them if somebody said, oh, that AA stuff's a bunch of, you know, sperm? Well, I don't think that, that I, could, I would try to convince them that the 12 steps work. I could only give them my experience and the way that it was yeah. and the way that the process of the 12 steps helped me change. So you would just talk about your own experience? That's all I could do. Right. I mean, I guess I could bring in a bunch of people who had the same experience. <laughs> you know, I could <laughs> line them, them all up. up. Okay, talk to you, yeah. talk to you, talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess all you've really got, all you've got is your own experience. And, you know, there's going to be, I guess there's going to be skeptics and there's going to be people that, you know, don't don't have that, uh, maybe haven't reached the point that they need to make those kind of changes that you did. Well, I guess one last question I have for you, and then, and then I think we'll put a wrap on it, but um, what would you tell, uh, what would you tell parents? Um, because I think there's a lot of, parents who would want to know, what would you tell parents would be, what would be the best thing for them to do um, if they've got a kid who's got a heroin problem? What, what do you think they, what, what, it, what is your advice to the parents? Either of you, I don't care. Do you want to start, Dan? Uh, well, I guess it depends on how far uh, it's progressed because there are, uh, there's plenty of uh, resources out there for people who are, who are suffering from uh, problems. With yeah. heroin, you know there is uh, mentoring services like uh, Kicks, yeah. and there's uh, treatment programs like Rose Grants. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, there's plenty of things out there, and I would say that to recommend them to those kinds of things to get some help, get some treatment themselves. Right. Yeah. But if they find that they that they are beyond that kind of help after trying it, then I would tell the parents to take a step back and let them go. Mm-hmm. And how let be can you be more specific about like let them go like how how like in what way well i'm saying giving rewards to a kid for staying sober if you're a heroin addict an addict it doesn't work and if you try to punish them it doesn't work either so what else can you do but do nothing right let them find their own way right so in other words like buying them a promising to buy them a car is probably not going to you right, can't bribe right. somebody into not having an addiction. You can't punish somebody into not having an addiction. Right. And I guess the most important thing that I would say would be that that parent finds somebody who has, who's a recovered heroin addict to talk to that kid. Uh, okay. And to share their experience. Okay. And maybe talk to them too. You know, which... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll leave that book for them to see in the interval. Yeah. And which is what what you're doing right now for the for those parents is you're you're a recovering heroin addict talking to those parents who might want to listen to what you're what you're having to say right now. Yeah, yeah. 
I actually do speak with a lot of parents of sponsees. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a relationship, but it's there. And I'm sure it helps them. I'm sure it helps them to hear. It does. And I'm sure it helps them to see, you know, and here's the other thing. I I don't think there's a lot of people that never, you know, such a recovering heroin addict is like a contradiction in terms for a lot of people. It's like, I didn't know there was such a thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what? A recovering heroin addict. I don't get that. How can that be? Like, there's no such thing. So when they see you, and they realize, they see a change, and they know that you've done the things that you've done, and you're, they knew the way you were and the way you are now. That's like, wow, I want to, can I just touch you, you know, or something? It's like, are you real? real? Are you real? <laughs> I'm serious. People don't, you know, it's hard for them to believe. So what would you tell parents? Like you said, take a step back. Let them go, and it depends on the progression, on how far they are. Yeah. You know, if they've already been to jails, you know, stuff like that, how far they are in their illness. Hold them accountable. You know, I, like, me, if I grew up and my kid had a heroin addiction, I would hold him accountable, and I would I would call the cops if he had that in my house because it's not going to help otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, and or I wouldn't let him live in my house with a heroin addiction because I know I'm going to suffer, and it's not going to help, mm-hmm. you know, and I know I've been there. You know, and nothing helped until my mom let go and stepped back, you know, and said, you can't live here. You know, that stuff. Yeah, it's hard for parents to base their actions on their sanity. Yeah. Rather than your, you know, your yeah. sanity. But the truth is, you're already nuts, so yeah. they better they better focus <laughs> on their own. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and we're talking about addiction, but when we talk about heroin, we're not, you know, if somebody, if a kid's using heroin, their chances are we're, we're not talking recreational use. No. So, I mean, I don't, I don't meet many of those. In fact, I don't meet any of those. So, all right. Well, we're about, we're about out of time. Is there anything else that you would like to say or like to, you know, put out there? I know we got, we got a plug in for the meeting, which is fine. And if, and if anybody's interested, they can always go to our website, and we're happy to post twelve-step uh, meeting schedules or information about meetings for people. You know, if you have any questions, you can always get in touch with us through. Our our website at recoveryinternetradio.com. Thank you. Anything else you've got on the top that you'd like to add? No, just uh, thank you for the opportunity, Rick, and you know it's greatly appreciated. Uh, I'm glad you come. I really yeah. am, and I'm proud of you both. I really am. Yeah, it's cool. And uh, if anybody wanted to call in, any parents that are concerned, um, they can obtain my phone number and. Uh, you know, if you have any questions for me, personal questions, you know, I'll answer. Sure. Or you can leave a message and I'll call back. Yeah, you can get me you can get me the phone and then if people contact you through the website, I'm happy to pass that along. Yeah. And if you know, any of either of you guys are doing any speaking or additional twelve step work, I got some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> got some ideas for you. But thanks for coming. I really appreciate you Absolutely. both being here. Um you have anything else? No, I, I'd, I'd second that message, and I, I think you both spoke very eloquently about a, a difficult topic. And uh, when you said that you, you do speak to, to parents and to, to people that struggle with addiction, I think, you know, when you talk about doing that service work, and, and it helps keep your head on straight, too. You know, just imagine, I think, you know, hopefully over the course, if people download this or are listening to it live, you might you might have just talked to, you know, hopefully several thousand people about the same this, this topic, so... 
I'm yeah. sure Rosanne Pretty good size meeting. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Thanks good again good. for doing it, um, uh, both Dan and Kurt. Thanks to our listeners and our studio audience for making us a successful little underground support source for the recovering community. We'll email out our reminders for next week's show, usually towards the end of the week. And as always, we like to look at recovery from a wide and open perspective. Remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com for all archive shows and to sign up for our email reminder list. Uh, we'd like to hear from you because we'd like to know where our listeners are. Yes, please. An internet radio show, so we don't know where you are. You might be in Turkey. Istanbul. Istanbul. So as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you at 7 p.m. next Sunday night.